Chapter Ten, Part One of A Common Story by Ivan Goncharov, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Ten, Part One. Why is it Alexander does not come to see us? I haven't seen him these three months," said Pyotr Ivanitch to his wife as he came home one day. "I have quite given up the idea of ever seeing him," she replied why what's the matter with him is he in love again or what i don't know is he quite well yes please write to him that i want to have a little conversation with him there will be changes among them at his office again and i fancy he does not know it i don't understand such carelessness i have written and invited him ten times already he says he has no time but all the same he plays draughts with some queer companions and goes out angling you had better go yourself you would find out what's wrong with him what is he up to now there is no help for it i will go but it's the last time i declare pyotr ivanitch too found alexander on the sofa on his uncle's entrance he got up and took a seat are you unwell inquired pyotr ivanitch so so replied alexander yawning what are you doing nothing and you can exist without doing anything yes i've been told to-day alexander that ivanov is leaving your department yes he's leaving who will succeed him they say ichenko and what about you they don't think enough of me and probably i am not fitted for it good heavens alexander you must bestir yourself you ought to go and see the director no said alexander shaking his head but this is now the third time you've been passed over i don't care so be it come think a little what will you say when your former subordinate begins to give you orders or when he comes in and you have to get up and salute him why i shall get up and salute him but your self-respect i have none but you have some interests of some kind in life none at all i had and they are over that cannot be one set of interests replaces another why are they over for you and not over for other people it would be rather early for that i should say you are not yet thirty alexander shrugged his shoulders do remember that you like everyone else ought to make for yourself a career of some kind do you sometimes think of that of course i have made it already how so i have marked out for myself a sphere of activity and i don't wish to go beyond it i am a householder here that's my career i am fed and clothed i have enough for that and very badly clothed now remarked his uncle and is that all you want yes all but the attraction of intellectual and spiritual pleasures and art pyotr ivanitch was beginning mimicking alexander's intonation you might go forwards yours is a higher vocation your duty summons you to noble activity and your strivings for what is higher have you forgotten confound them said alexander uneasily you too uncle have begun to be high-flown this never attacked you before isn't it for my benefit it's trouble thrown away i did strive for something do you recollect what came of it i remember that you wanted to be a minister all of a sudden and then an author still you have proved that you can work and be something in time but it's long and weary waiting we want it all at once we don't succeed and we lose heart but i don't want to strive for something higher i have found a place for myself and i shall stay there forever i have found some simple unsophisticated people it's no matter that they're limited in intellect i play draughts and go fishing with them and it's capital 
let me be punished as you consider let me be punished as you consider for it let me be deprived of rewards honour money a higher vocation and all that you are so in love with i have renounced for ever you want alexander to pretend to be contented and indifferent to everything but your vexation effervesces even in your words you are speaking as though with tears instead of words you are full of bitterness you don't know what to vent it on because you alone are to blame so be it said alexander piotr ivanitch looked at him without speaking he had grown thin again his eyes were sunken on his cheeks and brows premature wrinkles were visible his uncle was alarmed spiritual suffering he scarcely believed in but he was afraid that the beginning of some physical disease lay hid under this exhaustion i declare he thought the boy is going out of his mind and then to break it to his mother what a correspondence she would be certain to come up here too come in and see us he said my wife is very anxious to see you i can't uncle is it nice of you to forget her perhaps it's very nasty of me but for goodness sake excuse me and don't expect me now wait a little while longer i will come well as you please said piotr ivanitch with a wave of the hand he went off home he told his wife he gave up alexander and that he must do as he likes that he piotr ivanitch had done all he could and now washed his hands of him after his rupture with julia alexander had flung himself into a whirl of riotous amusements in a little while his freedom with noisy festivities and a life without care made him forget julia and his troubles but all this constant repetition of suppers at restaurants with the same blear-eyed faces of the stupid and drunken talk of his companions day after day with his stomach constantly out of order into the bargain no this was not to his taste the delicate organization of body and soul in alexander attuned to a note of melancholy and pathos could not endure these dissipations he shut himself up alone in his room in solitude with his forgotten books but his book fell out of his hands and his pen refused to obey the breath of inspiration schiller goethe byron showed him the dark side of mankind the bright side he did not notice that he had not attained to but how happy he had been at times in that room he had not been alone then a vision of splendour had been near him then by day it had beckoned him to earnest work by night it had kept watch over his pillow dreams had been his companions in those days the future had been clothed in mist but not a gloomy mist presaging storm but the mist of morning veiling the brilliance of dawn behind this mist something was hidden doubtless happiness but now not his room only but the whole world was empty for him and within himself all was chill dreariness looking at life questioning his heart and his head he perceived with horror that there was neither within or without a single ideal left nor a single bright hope all now lay behind him the mist had parted behind it stretched the desert of bald reality good heavens what an immense void what a dreary comfortless prospect the past was over the future was ruined happiness was not all had been a dream and still he had to live what he wanted he did not know himself but how much he did not want his head seemed as though it were in a fog he did not sleep but seemed in a lethargy disquieting thoughts were drawn out in an unending series in his brain he thought what could attract him seductive hope 
happy heedlessness was no more he knew all that was before him success a struggle along the path that leads to honour what was there in that for him was it worth while for twenty or thirty years to fight like a fish against the ice and would it cheer his heart a consolation truly to the spirit for a few men to bow low to one while they are cursing one very likely in their hearts what of love ah that was worse he knew it by heart and had lost even the power of loving and as though in irony his memory officiously recalled to him nadinka not the innocent simple-hearted nadinka that was never recalled to him but invariably nadinka the traitress with all her surroundings the trees the little path the flowers and among all this the wily one with the smile he knew so well with her blush of shame and passion and all for another not for him with a frown he clutched at his heart he believed in no one and nothing and never forgot himself in enjoyment he tasted pleasure as a man without appetite tastes dainties coldly knowing that satiety presses close upon it that nothing can ever fill up the void in his heart that if one trusts oneself to passion it will deceive one and only agitate the heart and add fresh wounds to the old ones when he saw people united by love forgetting everything in their happiness he smiled ironically and thought wait a little you will change your minds he dreaded feeling a desire knowing that often at the moment of attaining what one desires fate snatches happiness out of one's hands and substitutes something altogether different some wretched thing which one does not want at all and if in the end it does grant one's desire it first tortures wearies out and degrades one in one's eyes and then throws it as men throw sop to a dog after just making him crawl to the dainty morsel look at it balance it on his nose roll it in the dust stand on his hind paws and then good dog have it he dreaded the periodical interchange of happiness and unhappiness in life he foresaw no pleasures but pain was always inevitably before one there was no escaping that all men were subject to that general law to all as he thought there were allotted equal parts of pain and happiness happiness was over for him and what kind of happiness was it a phantom a cheat only pain was real and that was all before him there were sickness and old age and losses and perhaps even want all these strokes of destiny as his auntie in the country called them were in store for him and what were the compensations his high poetic vocation had forsaken him they impose a wearisome burden on him and call it duty all that is left him are the pitiful rewards money comfort rank confound them so he brooded in melancholy and saw no outlet from this slough of doubt his despair drew the tears from his eyes tears of mortification envy ill-will to all men the bitterest of tears he felt acute regret that he had not listened to his mother and had ever left his obscure country place my mother had a presentiment at heart of sorrow to come he thought there these unquiet moods would have slept an eternal sleep there there would have been none of the troubled ferment of this complex life there too all the human passions and feelings would have come to me vanity and pride and ambition all would have occupied my thoughts on a small scale within the narrow limits of the district and all would have been satisfied the first in the district yes all is relative 
the divine spark of heavenly fire which in greater or less degree burns in all of us would have shone there unseen in me and would quickly have been extinguished in a life of indolence or would have passed into the warmth of attachment to wife and children existence would not have been polluted i should have pursued my way proudly the path of life would have been easy it would have seemed simple and comprehensible to me life would have been within my powers i should not have come into conflict with it and love it would have blossomed happily and have filled my whole life sophia would have gone on loving me tranquilly i should not have lost faith in anything i should have picked the roses without recognizing the thorns without knowing anything of jealousy for want of a rival why was i so blindly and overmasteringly drawn to what was far off and obscure to unequal and uncertain conflict with destiny and how well i understood men and life in those days there i should have understood them still as well without an inkling of anything i expected so much of life there and without a persistent analysis of it i should have been expecting something of it still even up to now how many treasures i discovered in my soul what has become of them i have bartered them with the world i have given away the sincerity of my heart my first innermost passion and what have i received for it a bitter disillusionment i have learnt that all is a cheat all is transitory that one cannot depend either on oneself or on others and i have begun to be afraid of others and of myself and in the midst of this analysis i cannot acknowledge the pettiness of life and yet be contented like my uncle and many others and that's my present position now he desired only one thing forgetfulness of the past tranquillity the slumber of the soul he grew more and more indifferent to life and looked at everything with drowsy eyes from crowds of people and the noise of assemblies he found only ennui and he fled from them but ennui followed him he was amazed that people could be light-hearted and incessantly occupy themselves with something or other and every day be attracted by fresh interests it seemed strange to him that all men did not go about as wearily as he did not weep and did not instead of chattering about the weather talk of their pain and their respective sufferings if they did talk of it it was always of a pain in their legs or some other part rheumatism or some such ailment they were only anxious about their body as for their soul it was never even mentioned empty wretched creatures animals he thought yet sometimes he fell to pondering deeply there are so many of them these wretched creatures he said to himself with some uneasiness and i am only one can it be all of them are empty wrong and i then it struck him that it might almost be that he alone was to blame and this made him even more unhappy his old acquaintances he ceased to visit meeting new faces chilled him after his conversation with his uncle he sank into still deeper lethargy his soul was wrapped in complete slumber he fell into a kind of stony indifference lived in indolence and obstinately cut himself off from everything that even reminded him of the civilized world what does it matter how one lives so long as one lives he said everyone is free to take life as he likes and then to die he sought the society of men of sour turn of mind of embittered feelings and found relief for his heart in listening to their spiteful epigrams on destiny or wasted his time with people inferior to him both in intelligence and education most frequently of all with kostyakov 
the old man whom zayashalov had tried to introduce to pyotr ivanitch kostyakov lived in peskai and walked about the street there in a shiny cap and a dressing-gown tied about the waist with a pocket-handkerchief with him lived a cook with whom he used to play cribbage in the evenings if a fire broke out he was the first man to be on the spot and the last to go away if he passed by a church where a funeral service was being conducted he would force his way through the crowd to take a look at the face of the corpse and then would proceed to follow the funeral to the cemetery he was devoted to ceremonies of every kind whether mournful or festive in character he liked also to be present at any extraordinary events such as street brawls fatal accidents roofs falling in etc and read with peculiar enjoyment the account of such occurrences in the newspapers besides this he used to read medical books so as to know what is in man he used to say in the winter alexander used to play draughts with him and in the summer he used to make excursions out of town to go fishing with him the old man would talk of one thing and another when they went into a field he talked of the crop and of sowing on the bank of the river he talked of fish of navigation in the street he made remarks about the houses about architecture and building materials and rents no abstract ideas of any kind he looked on life as a good thing if he had money and vice versa such a man was quite without danger for alexander he could not awaken any spiritual emotion alexander tried as zealously to mortify the spiritual element in himself as hermits try to mortify the flesh at the office he was silent if he met acquaintances he exchanged two or three words and on the pretext of want of time made his escape his friend kostyakov however he saw every day sometimes the old man would spend the whole day at aduov's sometimes he would invite him home to eat cabbage soup he had already taught alexander to make beverages and to cook pickled cabbage and tripe later they would set off together somewhere in the surrounding neighbourhood to the open country kostyakov had many acquaintances everywhere with the peasants he would talk about their way of living with the women he would joke and was precisely the merry fellow that zayeshalov had eulogized him for being alexander gave him full liberty to talk but for his part was mostly silent he already felt that ideas of the world he had abandoned visited him less frequently moved more slowly through his head and meeting nothing to reflect them or resist them in his surroundings did not find utterance and died away without coming to anything his soul was in as wild and sterile a condition as an overgrown garden he had still not quite attained the state of complete petrifaction a few months more and it would be over but this is what happened one day alexander had gone fishing with kostyakov kostyakov in a full-skirted overcoat and leather foraging cap after setting on the bank several hooks of various sizes with floats and little bells and reels was smoking a short pipe and without daring so much as to wink was keeping guard over the whole battery of hooks including adowoff's as well for alexander was standing leaning against a tree and gazing in an opposite direction they stood thus a long while in silence you've got a bite look alexander fedoritch said kostyakov suddenly in a whisper adowoff looked at the water and turned away again no it's a current makes you think so he said look look cried kostyakov it's a bite upon my soul it's a bite ah ah pull it up pull it up hold it the float did actually plunge under water and after it the line and after the line the rod too began to slip from behind the bushes alexander clutched the rod and then the line 
softly gently there not so what are you doing cried kostyakoff laying hold of the line my dear sir what a weight don't hold it let it go let it go or it will break there so to the right to the left here to the bank let it go further now draw it up draw it up only not all at once that's the way so a huge pike appeared above the surface of the water it twisted quickly with a flash of silver scales beat its tail to right and to left and sprinkled them both with drops kostyakoff was quite pale with excitement what a pike he cried almost in tones of awe and stretching over the water he fell down stumbling over his hooks and with both hands tried to capture the pike as it was wriggling back to the water come to the bank this way further there now it's ours and no wriggling back see it's as slippery as the devil ah what a pike ah someone repeated from behind end of chapter ten part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine